This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. You're listening to episode 88. Do perfect moms really exist? Of the in-between podcast where you'll discover ideas to build a strong, connected, and joy-filled marriage and family. My name is Daniel Im. And I'm Christina Im. All right. Perfect families? Perfect moms? Perfect dads? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Well, obviously we are, right? Yeah. Well, of course. Other than us. Yeah. (laughs) And maybe Melanie Schenkel as well. (laughs) Right. So in episode 88, we have the wonderful privilege of interviewing Melanie Schenkel. She is a New York Times bestselling author, and she just wrote her newest book, On the Bright Side. So Melanie also writes regularly at the Big Mama blog. Y'all have to go and check that out. It's amazing. And we just had a wonderful time interviewing her. She is going to help debunk some of the myths of motherhood and parenthood. We're going to talk about questions like, yeah, does the perfect mom exist? And what's the difference between a perfect mom and a good mom? We're going to talk about when to know when you're done having children. She's also going to share her heart and her experience about raising a teenager and embarking on the empty nest situation. You're going to love this interview. And for all the show notes and links to the Big Mama blog and everything else we talk about, be sure to go to inbetween.org slash episode 88. All right, let's listen in. Melanie, it is such a joy and honor to have you on our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you all so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, speaking of happy, I just wanted to ask you a quick question. <laughs> are you naturally an optimistic, like glass half full person? Or are you more like no glasses half empty? Um, looking at life that way. Um, I am a glass half full all the way kind of person the majority of the time. Like I always say, it takes a lot to get me to go way down and to start looking at the glasses half empty side. That's awesome. So that that probably explains why your book is called On the Bright Side. <laughs> yes. Yes. So Not on then, the shadow yeah, side. Yeah, or on the flip side. Or... <laughs> yeah, on the dark side. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So what inspired you to write the book? I really started writing the book. It felt like after, I think it was about in 2016 is when I started trying to decide what my next book was going to be about. And it just felt like it was after the presidential elections had happened and the world seemed so chaotic yeah. and and disjointed and it was like everybody hated everybody and it even left me feeling like and I just said I'm always a glass half full person but it even left me feeling like when I would read Facebook or Twitter post I was like even if they thought the same thing I thought I was like I don't like any of you like mm. you're all making me angry <laughs> because I'm so tired of the arguing it doesn't even matter if you're on my side or not and I just thought when did we quit looking at the bright side when did mm. we quit mm. looking at the things that are good and true and full of light and and what matter the most because it feels like all we're focusing on is what's wrong and you know I always tell my daughter she's 16 so you know a 16 year old can spiral down pretty really quick. quickly I don't know <laughs> yeah. I don't know if y'all are aware, but there are some teenage mood swings. 
And I always tell her, I'm like, we need to look at what's good in this situation instead of focusing on what's bad. Because the more you focus on the bad, the more you continue to see the bad. So that really was my inspiration for how can we find the bright side of every situation in life? Right. Well, you had mentioned that you started writing the book in 2016, but now that it's coming out, like, oh my goodness, what perfect timing too, right? Yeah. Of what's going on in the world. So, it hasn't gotten any better. It hasn't gotten any better. Unfortunately, right? So yeah, yeah now, so then it's it's the perspective shift that we need yeah. to, to be aware of, right? It is because I just, I do think that the more you focus on the negative, the more you see the negative. And it's, it's that whole principle of when you remember to be grateful and thankful that all of a sudden you realize how much you have to be grateful and thankful for. And I think the Mm. same thing applies to looking for the light instead of the dark. Right. Mm. Yep. Very true. So I love, uh, Melanie, as I was reading your book, this chapter about finding the bright side of fighting to be your true self. Now, I think there's a point where you're talking about like, uh, um, you know, how people are expressing their opinions. And sometimes you're like, ooh, that's maybe yeah. not the bright side of finding your, maybe that shouldn't be your true self, right? So, yeah. but the point that I loved is that, um, and this is really countercultural, you share with us how your first book became a New York Times bestseller. Then you started traveling the world and speaking all over the nation. Um, And in some ways, I think even for myself and our podcast family, that's sort of the dream. You hit it, girl. You've reached it. (laughs) But then you did something really countercultural. In a world that shouts at moms, especially, that you need to be doing more, to be worthy, significant, seen, or important, you did something different. Can you tell us what that was and why you did it? Um, I kind of stepped out of it all. I mean, I, it really was a, it was a process, and it, and it came from a, cu- a couple of different things. And I think um, number one, I always say that my husband is the kind. Um, he's he. We have a great marriage, and I love him and adore him. But he's the first one that's going to keep my feet on the ground. And so, um, I always laugh. I tell the story that when my first book hit the New York Times bestseller list, and you know we celebrated, and it was so great. And oh my gosh, this is amazing! Who would have ever dreamed? And then like the next day, he was like, "Hey, we're out of milk." And I was like, "Well, um, I'm a New York Times bestselling author, so." I don't really know. And he's like, um, you need to get your New York Times bestselling rear end to the grocery store because we're out of milk. Like, That's incredible. So, so oh he's not really one to buy into any kind of hype. Or <laughs> He didn't buy you a cow and a milker to go yeah, with that? Exactly. It was like, no, you, the, you don't have a personal assistant. Like you're still in charge of getting milk at our house, you know, and um, which is really good for me. And um, so I think that was part of it is because it's realizing how much my family still needed me to be here as a wife and a mom. And ultimately, and I feel like this is countercultural and, and, you know, and people are afraid to say this, but all I ever really wanted to be was a wife and a mom. I mean, that was that was the goal for me. And and that felt like the thing I wanted most. And so I had that. So this other was great. And it was amazing. And and it's and I love it. I love my career. I love that I get to write. But I also started to realize as I was spending these nights on the road and, you know, people think and I had thought like traveling and speaking is so glamorous and it's this great life. And what it really looks like is you're like in a Hampton Inn by yourself eating like some barbecue potato chips out of a vending machine at 1030 <laughs> at night. You know, like that's the yep. that's the real story. And 
Um, and I just began to realize, I was like, I don't want to do this and, and miss what's happening at home. Um, and what you start to realize is I have an only child. And, you know, when the first book came out, she was about nine years old. And, um, but what you start to realize is I don't want to miss that. And even just the day to day stuff, like it seems so mundane when you're in it, but it's like, I don't want to not pick her up from school. I want to be the one to hear about her day. I want to hear who she sat with at lunch. I want to hear what's Mm -hmm. going on. And that just felt so much more important to me than taking every single opportunity that was handed to me. Because I thought the thing is, is that can all wait and there'll be a time for that. But what's most important to me right now is being home. Walk us through that journey of of, of then till now then and, and what's shifted and, and what you worked through um, as you let that go. And yeah, so just yeah. kind of walk us through that. Um, you know, I think it's hard because it's it's hard to see. And I think because of social media, it creates this, you can see what everybody else is doing. So, you know, I have other friends that are writers and speakers, and I would see them going to these amazing places or doing these amazing things. And I knew that I had made a conscious decision that I felt like God had called me to, to step away from a lot of that stuff for now. Um, But it's still, I always say it felt like not getting invited to a party that you didn't want to go to in the first place, you know, like you, (laughs) yeah. Um, So I would have these moments, but it, it was God has always brought me back around in my life to you need to walk your road. Like this is the road Mm -hmm. I'm calling you to walk. And that's not necessarily the road that he's calling somebody else to walk. Um, Because I think that there are women that are out there killing it in ministry and speaking and they're traveling and doing the weekend thing. And, and that works for them in their life. It didn't work for me in my life Mm -hmm. at, at that, at that stage. And so But I think anytime we start to look at somebody else's road and we start that comparison game, we're always going to come up short in our own mind. Um, So it really made me have to focus on this is where God has called me to be. This is what he has for me. Um, And just being really mindful of, you know, and it's not that I don't, I'd still travel and speak some and I still do some of that stuff, but it was just being very intentional about um, praying about each opportunity that came along is God, is this, is this something you have for me? Is this a time that is good for me to be gone? Um, and, you know, and I think it's kind of weird when people are like, we want you to come speak in fall of, you know, 2019. And I'm like, well, I need to see when homecoming is, you know, can you wait until our right. school calendar? But those are just things for me that I know I didn't want to miss. And, and I will say now my daughter is just started the second semester of her junior year in high school. And I, I'm so thankful that I made that decision because it has absolutely proved to be the right one for our family. I completely agree. And I love how you are talking about how we need to pray and ask God, like, what's the road that you want us to walk in? Mm -hmm. And then to stick to that. And it's, you know, it's easy to look, especially on social media and to the left and to the right of being like, oh, but this person is doing this. Oh, so should I be doing this? Like, oh, they've changed their their schedule to be this. Should I do this? So I think as moms, it's really easy to compare whether we're speakers or writers or not of just like, wait, this mom is doing this. Should I be doing this? And just to be able to, once again, to lay it down before God and be like, okay, what are you calling me to do as a mom? Yeah. Um, what are you calling me to do as a wife in my own home and in my family? Because that's not going to look the same to everybody else either, right? Right. I mean, I think that's it. Is It's like everybody's family is is unique as the DNA that makes up that family. So it's like you have to know um, somebody else's best isn't going to look like my best. You know, my best is my best. And so I have to do 
what works for us and what God's calling us to and and just know that somebody else, because as moms, I mean, oh my gosh, have there ever been so many ways of, I mean, are you going to homeschool, private school, public school? Are we going to eat gluten or are we not going to eat gluten? Are we going to, you know, like <laughs> there's so many yes. different ways to do it. I mean, do we keep our kids in a five point harness seat till they're 14 years old or, yeah. you know, like yeah. real race exactly. or cauliflower race? Yeah. Exactly. Right? Yes. Essential oils or not. Yes. Yeah. That's, yeah. There's so many different things. Things and I think we all do so much better as women and as families when we go, you know what, I'm going to support you and cheer you on in your choice. And that's not my personal yes. choice, but it doesn't mean you're, any of our choices are wrong. They're just the right choice for us. That's so good. One of the things that we appreciated the most about your book was your candid ability to debunk the myths that we seem to be walking in. And uh, for Christina, especially surrounding motherhood. Mm -hmm. So for the next part of our podcast, we'd love for you to share with our podcast family your insights about um, a few of these topics. So here's the first one. Good versus perfect mom. (laughs) What makes a good mom and what makes a perfect mom? Well, first of all, I will say the perfect mom doesn't exist. Um, yes, thank you. But it does on Instagram. (laughs) The one corner of their room that's clean. Hashtag perfect mom. Um, yeah, I think I always say the perfect mom doesn't exist. And if she does, we would all hate her guts. You know, she would be the person that we would all talk about under our breath. And we'd be like, oh my gosh, Karen is over there, you know, with her. It's too much. It's too much. It's too much. And, and I think to me, that's where social media can be its best because at times when we all get a little honest and say, I mean, my favorite people to follow on Instagram are the people that are like, y'all, it's off the rails over here today. You know, like we do (laughs) not have it Mm. together because let's be honest. I mean, if you have kids, it is not looking perfect in your home all the time. I mean, somebody's rolling their eyes. Somebody forgot to take out the trash. You know, there had, there's poop in the backyard that hadn't been scooped in like three days for this dog that they (laughs) begged you to get. I mean, that's the whole thing. And as moms, I, I don't know. I don't want to speak for the audience. I'm going to say, I don't always respond to those things in good and charitable Christian love when they happen. You know, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. there are times that, I mean, you know, if my daughter comes in and she's 16 and she's moody and I, my mood will go down with hers, you know, we're next thing, you know, we're both snapping at each other. And, and it's just realizing that I think the thing about being a good mom is a good mom shows up. You show up for the hard stuff. You Mm. show up for the ugly stuff. You show up for the bad stuff. You you keep showing up and you remember it because God promises us his mercies are new every morning. And I have had a lot of nights where I go to bed and go, I have blown it today. Like today was not a good day. Um, mm-hmm. But help me be better tomorrow. And I and I think there's something in our kids. And what I hope that I'm raising my daughter to see is that I, I will go to her and say, you know what? I screwed this up. I was too hard on you for this. I yelled too much. Um and I think those are the things that make a good parent, a good mom, is to is to say, I don't have it all together either. I've never parented a teenager. I'm figuring this out as I go. And we're all doing the best that we can by the grace of God. And I think if you come at it with that humility, I think that makes a good mom. Um, and I think our attempts to be a perfect mom are exhausting. Um, and we need mm. to let ourselves off the hook. Yeah. And I would say that that totally applies to dads too. Yeah. So. <laughs> I'm taking notes here. Yeah. yeah, that's true. And don't worry, uh, parents out there, if you think you're the perfect mom or dad, your children will say otherwise and <laughs> burst that bubble anyway. Oh, yes. Because <laughs> so, I saw, I, I looked up hashtag perfect mom. Yeah. And here's the best one that I saw. Uh, perfect parents exist, but they don't have kids yet. <laughs> oh, there you go. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very true. That okay, I can truth. jump on that train. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is the truth. I just had a thing oh, this week. That. My daughter asked me, and they she can leave campus for lunch at her high school, and um, her car was in the shop. So she was like, "Will you come pick me up and take me to lunch today?" Which I think was a lot more about her wanting a way to go to lunch, not that she wanted to spend time <laughs> with me, time. if I'm going to be honest, but whatever, <laughs> yeah. I'll take it because I'm, you know, I just take what I can get. And we were driving to the high school and she said, oh, if you turn on this street, she said, you can only go one way. And I said, that's okay. I said, I'm going to go down that street, which was going to take me past all the other high schoolers leaving in their cars for lunch. And I saw this look of panic on her face and she was like, Oh, okay. Okay. And I said, everybody at this high school has a mother. I said, you need to get over it. I said, this is part of life. Like you have a mom. It's fine. I'm not hanging out the window waving at people, but it annoyed me so much. Like we got so like annoyed at each other. But it took us time to come down to like go back to the place of we're going to have an enjoyable lunch as mother daughter. I love it. But I thought, why is me driving in my car such an embarrassment? I'm not an embarrassing person, mm. but that's just. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a New York Times bestselling author. Right. <laughs> That is exactly right. I can buy milk and don't have to buy milk if I don't yeah. want to. Yeah. You know, are any of these other moms out there? Yeah. You better enjoy. This is a privilege to have lunch with me. exactly right. I'm very important. Oh, I'm goodness. a really big deal. <laughs> That's right. You so better awesome. recognize. Yeah. Oh, baby, that's awesome. The wait is over. Find out what happens in the thrilling conclusion of the 12th Dead Sea Squirrels book, Babylon Breakout. Hi, I'm Mike Naraki, co-creator of VeggieTales, voice of Larry the Cucumber, and author of The Dead Sea Squirrels. Get ready for more daring rescues and hilarious jokes as Merle and Pearl and their animal friends embark on a ridiculous mission to bust the kidnapped Gomez family out of Babyland, a Bible-themed amusement park with talking animals. Young readers will love the nutty misadventures of 10-year-old Michael and his friends and will learn all about biblical life lessons such as forgiveness and friendship. Read all 12 Dead Sea Squirrels books. Available wherever books are sold. Yeah. So, okay. So for those who, um, like us, we are going to enter in the teenage years, mm -hmm. but not quite there yet. Um, can you speak to us about quality versus quantity time? Does that even matter? Does, you know, one exist without the other? Because I feel like this is kind of this debate that goes on like, oh, no, no, no. You need to make these moments count. Yes. And other times are like, well, you won't have these moments if you don't have a lot of moments, yeah. right? So can you um, share your wisdom about that too? To me, I, you know, I feel like especially having a teenager and now that she drives and all that, I mean, we have to go for quality because we're not getting a lot of quantity. I mean, by the time, I mean, mm -hmm. she's an athlete. So, you know, I mean, she'll leave here in the mornings for school and then doesn't get home until almost dinner time. And then, you know, two nights a week, she's got, you know, she's going to Young Life and she's, you know, they're just busy. They just have their own life. And so I think you have to be a lot more intentional. Um, and, but I don't think quality time has to be anything super special. Like I've learned, and I'm a night owl anyway, so this pays for me. But in these teen years, like if I will just stay up late, that the best talks we have are when she comes like walking out of her room at 11 o'clock at night and is like, can we talk? Um, because it's almost like I have to let her get through all the distractions of the day and everything that's kept her busy. And it's like, it's that time where she's had a little bit of time in her room to decompress. And then that's when she'll think of like, here are some things I want to talk about. Um, and I've also learned um, 
that quality time with a teenager means listening more than talking. Because if I start to put my mm-hmm. input in too much, then she shuts down. Um, and uh, my best friend and I have laughed because she's got teenagers too. But I have this, this is the dumbest parenting advice I've ever given, but I'm going to give it anyway. Um, I have this color by number app on my phone where you just color in these little pictures. Mm-hmm. And if I'll sit there and okay. color by number while she's talking to me, she talks more because it's like she doesn't, I'm not giving her full eye contact. And if I start to seem too engaged, oh. she shuts down. Like, so it almost. Fascinating. <laughs> and so she knows I'm coloring <laughs> by number. So it's not like I'm texting or on Instagram or interacting. Right. It's almost Almost like I say, it's like the 2020 version of like needle pointing, I guess. Like I'm over here. <laughs> like I'm like, That's so awesome. <laughs> That's so brilliant. Good. You know, but it just, it gets her. And I've just noticed, I'm like, if I, if I just am like, huh, so tell me what else. So tell me what else. So, so how did that make you feel? It's like open, ask these open-ended questions because my, my gut instinct a lot of time, or what I want to do is to start offering advice. So what you need to do is, well, here's how you need to handle it. But I'm like, that shuts her down. Mm. Um, mm. So I think that quality time and I, and I think a lot of it to me, the same goes when the, your kids are little, if you've got young kids, it's, it's just spending the time with them when you're not on your phone, when you're not distracted. And that doesn't have to be these big, huge chunks of time. It's just taking the time to listen to them, to engage. And it's not like that has to be some great family vacation. Although I do think there's merit to sometimes, I mean, like this summer we went on a vacation, um, just our family. And it was, it was great to get away just the three of us because you're away from all the other distractions. And I think that's good too, but quality time, a lot of times to me can just happen sitting on your back porch. Yeah. That's good. Here, okay, so here's here's the next question: Is having one child, only one child, okay? And how do we decide how many children we should have? I mean, I clearly think having only one child is okay because that's what I have. So, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I may be biased. Um, you know, it's. I think this falls into walking your own road thing. I mean, my husband and I, when mm-hmm. after we had Caroline. Yeah, I think about the time she was two or three, we really started talking about, are we going to have another one? Um, And prayed about that. And I think in my mind, I'd always thought we'd have two kids because it seems like that's just what people have, at least. And we both just really didn't feel like it was right for us. I mean, just as we prayed and, and really asked God about it, it was like we felt like our family was complete. And I think there are other people that get to that point and obviously go, no, we, we know we want to have two kids or three kids or four kids. And, you know, people ask me, I feel like this is the question I get asked the most, you know, people that are like, we're thinking about having another one. Do we want to have another one? Do you regret not having another one? And that's so hard to answer because to me, your family size is such a personal decision. Um, I can't imagine having six kids. I'm not a mom who was equipped in any way to have six kids. God knew what he was doing. Um, by, by, having me have an only child because I just, I work better with that. I think I'm the best mom I can be having an only child, but I think there are other Mm -hmm. moms that have, you know, multiple kids and they do such a good job at it. And that's, that's absolutely what they were called to be. And so I just, to me, it's such a personal decision, um, for your family and just, you know, what can your, and, but I think it's being realistic. Cause I think also if you want to have three kids because your best friend has three kids, that doesn't mean that that's the right thing for you. You may not be a three kid right. person. I love that you're saying that of like 
y'all need to walk the road that God, you said it before, Mm -hmm. that God has, you know, placed you on. And what are the motivations behind perhaps even asking yourself, what is the motivation behind wanting, you know, uh, more than one child? Or what is the motivation behind being scared of what people will think if we decide to only have one child or decide to have 10 children, right? Yeah. So I think sometimes that when it comes down to it, we just really need to ask ourselves like, okay, am I making this decision? out of love Mm -hmm. or am I making this decision by being pushed by fear? Yeah. Um, And so the next part of our question then is, uh, I think, especially in the world that we live in today, um, we parent a lot of times out of fear, not because we want to, but because we're scared. So isn't it okay for my kids to be safe? Like that's that's what I want. I want my kids to live a long, happy, prosperous life. And isn't that okay? And then so can you speak to us about like what's on what's on the other side of that? Like what if we take that? too far? What if we let that sit in our hearts too long? Is there a better way? It's to me, it's such a anytime somebody asks me about the fear thing, I almost feel afraid to answer it. Does that make sense? Like you just kind of go, Oh, my gosh, (laughs) I feel scared just talking about it, you know, because to me, what's so hard is we see and we hear all these terrible stories about things that happen to kids and, um, you know, diagnosis that happen or car wrecks or accidents or just whatever. And so it can keep us, we want a parent from such a fearful place because it's, we want our kids to be, I mean, let's be honest, if we could, we'd wrap them in bubble wrap and just keep them, you know, they'd be these little hothouse orchids that nothing bad ever happened to because they're <laughs> right. so yeah. precious to mm-hmm. us. And, and you just can't yeah. even imagine. And um, to me, if I go down any of my worst case scenario things, it, it's going to involve something happening to my child. You know, that's that's just your worst fear. But the problem is, is I think when we continually parent out of that fear, then I think we teach our kids that it's a that you that they're afraid. You know, we we train them to be afraid of everything. And and the world is scary, but it is going to require us to be brave. And that's going to be stepping out of our comfort mm-hmm. zone. And it's going to be realizing that God has them and that he is sovereign and that he is good, that he's going to give us the mercy and grace to get through anything we're going to need to get through. Um, but that also ultimately, if we want to raise our kids to be world changers, to be difference makers, to be able to go out and be countercultural and do things that matter, they're going to have to not be afraid. Um, And we're going to have to not be afraid to let them go out and fail and fall Mm. and all those things. And that's so hard. I mean, I, you know, having a teenager right now, I feel like I'm living this every day. I mean, she just got her driver's license, you know, six months ago. So there's, there's that whole, I know, right. It's, (laughs) I mean, you want to talk about something that will increase your prayer life exponentially is put your child behind the (laughs) wheel of a car. Um, Yes, exactly. It's just, you know, there's so much fear that goes with that because it's just every step step is but I, and i think parenthood is so tricky cuz from the moment they're born it's letting them take these steps of independence away from you is is what mm. the 18 years that they're in your home are really about and it's there's it's it's scary and it's you know i mean i think there's things like i mean my daughter dealt with um during her sophomore year of high school, a lot of mean girl stuff at school. And that's scary is it's like, how long do you let that go on? What, how do you handle that? How do I equip her to handle that? Because you hear about these kids who end up, you know, committing suicide or, you know, or, Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. becoming, you know, despondent and depressed. And, um, 
And so there's so much prayer to me involved in that of God, teach me the balance between healthy fear as a parent. Like here are the parameters I'm going to put in place because I do want her to be safe. And I think those things are good. Like for now, I mean, she has a certain radius that she drives within our house. We aren't putting her on the road. She's not driving up to Dallas right now. You know, I mean, that's not part of our Mm -hmm. thing, but it's also realizing that we've got to teach her to be brave and to take risks. And, you know, my husband and I talk about this because she tends to be a perfectionist in a lot of ways. And we're like, so we've had these dinner conversations lately where we're like, here's what we want you to do. Fail spectacularly. Like, go out <laughs> in a blaze of glory. Yes. Like, you gift. know, just go out yeah. because yeah. You're, you're not going to you're not going right. to accomplish anything by sitting in this little bubble, not wanting anything to happen. And and the thing about hothouse orchids is that they're very beautiful, but they're worthless once you get them out in the real world. Mm. And I don't want that for, I don't want that for my child. I want her to be a difference maker. I want her to embrace life. I don't want her to be afraid because I think ultimately we live with the regret of not having tried things. That's so good. When, um, as you, as you look at your child and even as you're addressing our podcast family, the parents who are listening in, uh, what advice would you give them regarding what our kids most need from us? I mean, I think what I said earlier is they need us to show up. They need us. To, they need to know that we're on their side. They need to know that um, we are there for them. They need to know that our love for them isn't dependent on what they do or how they perform, but it's just the fact that they are, that they exist. Um, because I think when kids feel that kind of security in their home, I think that helps them go out and make a difference in their world. Yeah, for sure. Especially if they feel like, you know, even if I fall flat on my face, that my mom and dad are going to be there to, you know, maybe not necessarily pick them up because they need to learn how to stand up after failing, but are there unconditionally loving them. Um, And I think, you know, looking back and seeing my childhood and seeing how my parents still, like to this day, they still cheer me on even when I fail, even when I make mistakes, even when they don't necessarily agree with maybe some of the parenting choices I've made, they are there. And it's always so encouraging to know that you have someone who has your back. So that's great, great advice. Um, So as a mom who is facing the empty nesting, right? You said your your daughter is a junior now. Junior, yeah. So you make me cry. Why do you want to make me cry this morning? Terrible. (laughs) We'll cry together. I'm just picturing my eldest daughter driving and I'm crying already. So, but I think um, it's such a unique place to sit, right? Because you are able, you have enough experience as a parent to look back and be like, yeah, I remember, you know, my child being a four-year-old or whatnot, but you also have the unique perspective of looking to the future and being like, you know, she's not going to be with us forever. So as a mom who's sitting in that place of in-between, I guess you could say, what encouragement would you want to give young mamas that are struggling? to just stay sane (laughs) and then to the mamas that are like you're like you are sitting in right now about to watch their child leave the nest what would you like to say to to -hmm. both those camps oh man that's you know I think to the young moms it's so easy you know and we all laugh because as young moms we all got it we're the older lady in the grocery store which I guess is me now is like enjoy your time (laughs) cherish every moment (laughs) it goes so quickly quickly. treasure all the moments and you know you're in the middle of like the grocery store with all the frozen stuff melting and somebody's got to go to the bathroom and somebody else just 
just had a diaper explosion. You know, it's so easy to be like, oh, treasure. Yes. I yeah. remember those days. Treasure yeah. these moments. It's great as he's throwing a fit in the, you know, frozen food section. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say, hang in there because the fruit of what you're doing, the time that you're investing, the way that you're loving those babies, the way that you are disciplining them and your toddler. I mean, we laugh about Caroline when she was, we used to always put her in timeout. That was like her punishment when she was, you know, from the time she was, I don't know, two until whatever. And we'd be like, go sit in your timeout chair. And she would go in that timeout chair and she would spit on the floor the whole time she was in the timeout chair because she was so mad to be in timeout. Like till there was just this huge puddle of spit every time. And I would always tell my my husband, I would laugh. I'd like, she doesn't know any bad words. But if she did, I said, that spitting is the equivalent of her cussing us out in the next room. Like that's what she's doing. And it's so draining and it's so exhausting. But hang in there because I will tell you, I have to say, like my 16-year-old, for all that we have our teenage mood swings and all our stuff, she is a delight. I think mm. she is what my favorite human being in the whole world. She makes me laugh. I am so proud of the decisions she's making. I'm so proud of the person that she's becoming. Um, and I think so much of that goes back to the time I spent praying for her. Um, the time that we invested in her, just the the quality time. An older friend had told me years ago, they were like, listen to them when they're toddlers and they're telling you even these insane stories, because if they know you listen to them, they'll always keep talking to you. Mm, Right. Um, And I've really tried to do that along the way. Um, And so I think that's it. And then I think also young moms, you got to give yourself a lot of grace because it is exhausting. Like it is so exhausting to the point that what happens to us older moms is we forget. Um, And several years ago, I had a dear friend of mine who at the time was battling cancer and she had a toddler. And so I was like, I'll come watch him for the morning. Like, it's fine. I'll come watch him. You take a nap or whatever. I'm like, this is easy. It's like one toddler. This is, you know, whatever. And I mean, it was one of those that like he woke up in the morning and by eight o'clock in the morning, I was like, is it time for his afternoon nap? Like what, what, (laughs) when does he go back to sleep? Because this is, We've like yeah. blown bubbles. We've <laughs> walked around the block. We've played chase. We've done blocks and like 15 minutes has passed. You know, it's so. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So remember those days. Yeah. Yep. And so it, it is hard to stay sane, but don't lose yourself. Um, know when you need to get away, take a break, go walk around the block, take some mental health breaks, but also just know that it's going to pay off and it, and it is worth it. And I hate to be a cliche, but it does go by so fast. Like you will blink and go, I don't know where that time went. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then for the moms that are about to watch their child leave, I don't know. Do y'all want to start a support group? That would be my, is anybody, <laughs> anybody interested in like a weekly uh, meeting where maybe we eat like chips yeah. and queso and talk about our feelings? I don't know. Right. Um, <laughs> I just, I, I think for me and my best friend, her son is actually a senior this year. And we've talked about this a lot is it's staying focused in the right now and not dreading the what's to come. Um, I, Mm, I don't want to spend the next year and a half being sad about her leaving, um, and miss all the fun that's going on. Um, so I'm just really trying to be purposeful and intentional and, and be here for every moment. I mean, you talk about downsizing my speaking. I mean, I'm like, Oh no, I can't go anywhere right now. Like I, I want to be home for every single minute of this. And so it's just enjoying what what is, and I and I think there's something beautiful. You know, they leave the nest, and that is hard, and 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 I'm I'm not looking forward to it. But what I keep telling myself is, I'm like, this is the goal. I mean, this is 
this is the goal. I mean, is that she has become mm-hmm. this independent, confident young woman who's ready to go out and make her own mark in the world. And there's going to be, I mean, that's a different season, but there's going to be excitement and good things in that season too. Um, so I'm really trying to view it as a new beginning and not focus on the ending, if that makes sense. Yeah, I love that. And I love, um, my mom always says, she's like, Christina, uh, before you left the home, I was your mom. And she's like, it's not that I'm not your mom now. She's like, but as you've grown up, she's like, you're my best friend. Um, And she's like, and I can't really call you my best friend when you're underneath my roof because, you know, sometimes you do need to lay down the law. And you're like, best friends wouldn't do that. Exactly. You're not my friend. (laughs) But now, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. I don't want you to be my friend anyways. I don't want you to drive with me. seriously. (laughs) So it's so beautiful, just the journey and the seasons that God calls us to and the roads that he calls us to walk on. So we thank you so much, Melanie, for just sharing your wisdom Mm -hmm. and your joy with our podcast family. Um, can you let us know a little bit more about your book and where um, our listeners can find yes. it? Yes. Um, the new book is called On the Bright Side. Um, it'll be available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, your local bookstore, pretty much anywhere books are sold. Um, so you can find that there. And then you can find me mainly on Instagram these days. And I'm just Melanie Shankle. Um, and that'll give you book news and life news and probably more pictures of my dog than anybody really cares to see. So <laughs> <laughs> we love dogs on this podcast. Yes, there you go. Yeah. All right. Like, well, then you're my people. You're my people. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that so much fun? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think we just laughed oh, and laughed. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We love you, Melanie. Thank you so much for sharing your experience and your insight and your humor with us. Yeah. And even though we're debunking the myths of motherhood, as a father, I learned quite a bit as well. And maybe as you were listening in, you were like, oh, you know, I think I need to send this to this friend because they we've had that. Co- we just had that conversation. It's super easy to do that. Just text them inbetween.org slash episode 88 or just hit the share button on your podcasting app and text them that or email it to them or Facebook Messenger or however you share all that and we'd There's be honored. There's so many ways to share, right? <laughs> yeah, we'd be honored if you would share this episode with them. All right. Well, on episode 89 next week, what are we going to be talking about, Christina? We're going to be discussing how to spot the intruders in our marriage and how to deal with them. Oh, like thieves like intruders you'll just have to listen to find out folks awesome well thanks again for listening in and we'll catch you next week this episode was brought to you in part by the table podcast at dallas theological seminary listen to rotating hosts discuss issues of god and culture to demonstrate theology's relevance in everyday life find it on your podcast app For videos and more, visit dts.edu slash podcast.